Good morning, lovely people. It is Monday, February 13th. The Lopes continue to be split masters. With a therapeutic win over New Mexico State, the Aggies' last game ever as a member of the WAC, and a last-minute meltdown in Seattle. While the Lopes remain consistent, the WAC has gone awry. Amid a coaching change at Arlington, the demise of New Mexico State's men's basketball program, and the disarray it leaves the Western Athletic Conference in. An eventful week surrounding GCU basketball calls for a packed Monday episode. We are so glad that you are tuning in as a new episode of Win the Whack 2.0 starts now. Big bucket by McMillan for three. Dishes out the block for three. Good! Harrison up high. Put back by the corner. Push back out. Harrison quickly to the block and drives baseline. Barrel. No doubt about it. Oh, Barrel, you bounced out of your seat on that. I oh, So on Wednesday of this week, we had a half day. We have half days every Wednesday. And so I had tennis practice right after school. It's, it was the first week of tennis. So we had tennis tryouts. Wednesday was the first day of challenge matches. So like uh, this is where our kids actually start playing matches against each other for like seeding for their spots in the team. It's kind of intense. So we were playing challenge matches, but we practiced 130 to three because we had a half day. And then I, I ended up getting home at like four, which is like way earlier than I ever usually get home. And uh, I get home at four. I was just so tired. I was like, dude, I'm going to bed. So at 5 p.m., I, I I kid you not, 5 p.m., I just straight up go to bed. There's a there's a Lopes game. They're playing New Mexico State. And I'm just like, I cannot stay awake for this game. I'm so tired. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so I go to bed at 5 p.m. I wake what up. What happened? What happened? I wake up at 1 in the morning in a cold sweat. And it turns out that I missed the greatest night of my life as you an were, Arizona sports fan. You woke up in an entirely different world. Not only I woke up in a parallel universe where not only did the Grand Canyon University Antelopes beat the New Mexico State Aggies by double digits for the last ever New Mexico State whack game. But also I woke up to 40 texts of like, bro, just like that's all it said. I'm just like, what? and I thought it was about the Lopes game. I'm like, dude, like it's really cool, but like, and just like, bro, no way, dude, I can't believe it, bro. Just like everyone's losing their mind. I was like, yeah, man, like the Lopes, like I'm glad we beat them, but like everyone's freaking out. And then I like naturally because of that, I was like, all right, I gotta open Twitter. And I open Twitter, and the first thing I see is like, sons of acquired Kevin Durant, and I am like. <laughs> trying to like figure out what's going on because i i mean i don't know if you've ever been in this horrible situation but i have just slept for seven hours right so like i could probably just get up but it's one in the morning so i'm in that like oh, like i like have to make myself go back to bed right like i can't just yeah. like stay up now but it's like i just saw that kevin durant was his son and we beat new mexico state by double digits so then i'm like scrolling through everything on twitter like trying to find the trade details looking at all the stuff of like lopes fans bashing aggie fans and it was just like a glorious beautiful moment and then by the time i like got all the details of the trade and like the lopes game it was like 1 30 and i just like could not go back to bed so i was like just so hyped i just laid in bed for like another three hours didn't go to sleep and then just like got up went to duncan and got to work like an hour and a half early dude 
<laughs> it was crazy. But yeah, I, I couldn't stay up and I missed the greatest night uh, of Arizona sports history of us beating the Aggies and getting Katie. Well, it was so funny because we had just recorded, what, two days before that, right? And That's we right. were like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were like, oh, yeah, if the Lopes win this game, we're definitely doing like a special recording. We're going to put something out the next morning. And so I'm like texting you during the game. Yo, McLaughlin is just eating them up. That was early in the game. And then something around the lines of like, you know, defensive play of the game at 12 minutes or whatever. And you weren't responding. And I was like, is this dude just not watching the game? Nope. <laughs> and so after the game ends i texted you i said you want to do a recording for like 20 minutes and you didn't respond i legitimately was like did he like die on his drive home from work or something i was i was legitimately concerned but then you texted me early in the morning and i was like oh this this dude's alive he just went to bed at 5 p.m yeah yeah i texted you pretty i'm pretty sure i texted you pretty obscenely early because i didn't yeah. want to text you at 1 30 but I, i'm pretty sure i texted you at like Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was really early before I was up. So but no, that was really funny. I was I was still up when the when the trade happened, but it was in that like little period where it was like, oh, is this actually for real or are they just capping, you know? Mm -hmm. And so finally, I think it's when Woj dropped his his Woj bomb, you know, and that's when I was like, oh, my gosh, this is actually happening. So, yeah, I texted a few people. I was like, this is this is unreal. So and then I uh, oh, no, you said something on Twitter like the Bucks are the only team that I'm afraid of now. And I was like, dude, yes, come on. Absolutely. No, so I wholeheartedly stick to that statement. The Nuggets are going to They're beat bad. them in the second round. That team's bad, dude. Fine. The, Nuggets? The, the, the Kings will beat them in the second round. Dude, the, you know what? King's gonna light the beam on on Kevin Durant. Dude, and... I love the Kings. They're really fun. The Nuggets, I am so not scared of them. All right, dude. We swept them in the playoffs without Kevin Durant. All I'm saying is, I'm not scared of that team. You know the scripture: "What does it profit a man to gain the entire world yet lose oh his God. soul?" Okay, is that the Suns? That you is the Suns. That is the Suns. They bridges, traded bridges and Cam were our soul. Yep, they traded. They traded their soul away. They have no they depth now. I watched on Saturday. I watched the Nets play against. Uh, who were they playing? They were playing someone. Um, and it was it was Cam McKell's first game, and their starting lineup was Cam and McKell, and then the two guys they got for Kyrie. So it was like Dinwiddie and DFS. And then Nick These dudes who had never played together yeah. before. So that was their starting five. It's like, oh, no, they're playing the Sixers. And that was their starting five. And they looked so good. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> I was watching. No, dude. Like, there was a play. All right. There was a play. I think, I think, like, they posted it where, like, Harden goes down and, like, Cam Johnson just picks him up at half court and, like, puts him, like, just, like, puts him in hell for 20 seconds. And then he <laughs> takes, like, a horrific shot. Uh, and then we, like, go down the other way. Cam Johnson hits a three and then immediately they inbound bridges steals the inbound and lays it up. And this is like in the first quarter. And I was like, Oh my <laughs> gosh. And everyone on Twitter, like all the Nets team. fans, all the Nets fans, like we won the trade, bro. <laughs> it was like, so I was the first quarter of the first game. I was losing my mind. So yeah, no, I think the Nets are still good. That team's crazy. How many picks did they get out of it? Four. Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. Okay. If, the Suns do not win the finals in the next two years. Nets won the trade. 
Yeah, that's that's always the way it goes for this gamble. If the Suns win a championship, it doesn't matter. It was worth it. Good, good job. And if we don't, then it's not. And it's the same thing for the Mavs and Kyrie deal. Um, except the the thing about Kyrie is he's a free agent after this year. So that's like even yeah. even smaller window, whereas at least the Suns have three years of control on KD. Mm-hmm. And we have uh Chris Paul's contracts only halfway guaranteed next year. So we have the option of like running it back. Like if this doesn't work out, running it back with a different point guard next year. Mm-hmm. So I think we have like, yeah, I think we have two or three years at like giving it a go. And I just like, it's dude, we're just so good. I don't know. I just, I just can't see us losing. Bro. I just think we're so crazy. I think Kevin Durant's unstoppable. Well, I, I I'm hoping that, that Warren's a son again. That's true. Hey, I'm hoping that the Celtics and the Suns meet in the finals. They won't. Why do, do you think that the Sun, the Celtics are going to lose to the Bucks? Yes, I've said this. I've said this all the you time. You said this last year, Zach. It was you true said last this year. last year. Middleton got injured. If Middleton doesn't get injured, the Bucks win that. Okay, series. yeah, but also the Celtics stole Brogdon. That's they got true. him for they got him from a bag for a bag of balls. So, yeah, that's actually crazy. The Pacers are trolling for that trade. The Pacers had the worst offseason ever last offseason. Yeah, they traded Brogdon for nothing. Yep, Brogdon's nice. I, I think he makes them better. How long is Jalen Brown out for? I think a week. Oh, it's not. Too, I or maybe it it's being crazy. assessed next week. I thought it was more. I thought it was something more serious. I thought he was missing like months. Oh, I didn't. I, I all I saw that he was going to be reassessed next week. So, I, and then again, I do not pay attention to the NBA very much. So, yeah. No, I, all I do is see. Did the Celtics, Celtics win? Yeah, the Celtics won. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then when it's good. the playoffs, then I'll actually watch the games. Yeah, we'll just have to see. I don't know the East. Like, I just think there's like it's like Boston and Milwaukee. And then, like, even Philly's a three seed. I think there's a huge gap after Boston and Milwaukee. Like, I don't see any other team in the east competing with them at all i don't think anyone upsets those teams and i think that's the eastern conference finals like i those teams are just so much better than everyone else and i think like i think if both teams are healthy the bucks will win but the bucks haven't been healthy all year so who knows yep well the bucks are healthy right now and i think they've won like 11 in a row so they're kind of crazy and the west there's like nine teams that could come out of the west (laughs) like the conference is stupid bro i have no idea I'm a, I'm a big Kings fan this year, so dude, I've been on the Kings. <laughs> I have been on the Kings. They have Demontis Sabonis. Who else do they have? De'Aaron Fox. Yes, Isn't that crazy. They got Herder. They got they have Buddy Healed, but yeah, they're good. Um, oh, they have Davion Mitchell too. He's pretty good. Yeah. Well, he's I really good. I cheer for every single Zag in the league, except for gotcha. now I can't cheer for Hachimura because I hate the, the Lakers. So. I'm with you there. Yeah. But yeah. it is fun, what it fun is. Fun stuff in the NBA. The NBA playoffs are, are going to be fun, but I only think that because my team just got Kevin Durant. So That's true. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Um, If the if the Celtics and the Suns do play in the finals, I might I might have to I have to catch a flight down to Phoenix and maybe we'll have to go to a game yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I went to, in our last playoff run, or two years ago when we went to the finals, I went to two playoff games. It was the two best games in the history of the world. Well, you went to game two of the finals. I went to game two of the finals where the Suns that, won. That was the inbound. Yep. No, no, no. That wasn't that was that game. That was game game two of the Western Conference finals against the Clippers. That was the value. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So I went to that game against the Clippers that put us up 2-0 with the va- Jay Crowder to Aiton, the value that like put us up to oh like it was crazy craziest play i've ever seen in person probably the best sporting event i've ever been at live 
just like the craziest thing ever. And then game two of the finals, um, which we won and went up 2-0, which was nutso. I was also at game two against the Mavericks where we went up 2-0 and then proceeded to like choke that series away. So <laughs> That one was last year, right? Yeah, it was last year. Got you, got you. You ready for some questionable scenarios? I am. Yeah, let's do it. This is actually really appropriate for the conversation we've been having. Good. Pick one. GCU wins out this regular season, wins the WAC tournament, and wins two games at the NCAA tournament. So they are Sweet 16 bound. Hobie Knox also wins WAC Freshman of the Year. Ray Harrison wins Player of the Year. And Gabe McLaughlin wins Defensive Player of the Year. Or the Phoenix Suns win the 2023 NBA Finals in seven games. There's no no question, Connor. I am picking the Phoenix Suns. There's like not even not even the slightest. Like, I don't even need to think about that. Listen, I want the Suns to win a championship so badly. Listen, listen, more than any other sporting team ever that I care about. If I had to if I had to like, I can only witness one championship ever of a team I support for the rest of my life. It will be a Suns title, and I don't have to think about it. Would you take the Suns winning the finals over GCU winning the NCAA championship? Yeah. What? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I would. Absolutely. You're lying. You're lying. I would take, yes, I would take the Suns winning the finals. You are lying. National title. No, I, listen, I have gone to so many Suns games in my life. I have gone to so many Suns playoff games. I've seen so many good teams and I've just had to like sit in, in misery for just decades and decades of my life. Only two of them really. Um, and (laughs) <laughs> like I'm not that old. Uh, <laughs> two decades, decades, uh, decades, and a half decade. Decades, <laughs> decades, and and the other half decade I don't really remember. Um, but I, I need, I need a Suns title. I need it. This is this is absurd. The fact that you would take the Phoenix Suns, one of what thirty teams, the thirty teams in the league. Yep. Yeah, you take them over GCU. Winning a tournament of 68 teams itself, just the tournament, but also in a division where there are 360 some odd teams. <laughs> this is so absurd. Yeah, I would do it. No, I still, still just like you yeah, are ridiculous. I guess, I guess you are more of a battered fan than I am. My, my biggest fandom is the University of Montana Grizz football. And I haven't witnessed them win a championship. Their most recent national championship was 2001. So I was a very small lad at the time. But I've also witnessed them play in the national championship a couple times and lose. Dude, do you realize that I have never witnessed, like, since I have had, like, a working brain, I've never witnessed a team I cheer for win a championship in any sport. That sucks. The Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series. When you when 2001, a right? A couple days after I turned four. Right. And then like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> and then they've been like pretty horrible ever since. The Cardinals are ultimate choke artists. They lost in the Super Bowl back in like 08 or whatever. I got to watch the Suns lose in the finals. <laughs> that's it. That's all I have. I have I have a lost. I have a I have a 
Super Bowl. But even then, like, I don't actually care about the Cardinals that much. Like, it's the Suns and the Diamondbacks for me. Like, those yep. are the teams. The Lopes. Uh, the, I, the closest thing I have is the Lopes winning the WAC in 2021. <laughs> like, seriously, this is the closest thing I have to a title. In a league of, what, 10 teams at that point? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Suns won the Western Conference and then, like, absolutely choked the finals away. Yep. Oh, my God. Well, so I, I have enough to split between the two of us, so I could share some. Colts won the Super Bowl when I was in third grade. Uh, And then they also choked in the Super Bowl when I was in sixth grade, I believe. And then I'm a Sounders fan. I witnessed witnessed the Sounders win the MLS Cup. Mm, I want to say that was our freshman year of college. Yeah, it was. And then also our senior year of college, I think. So I've seen the Sounders win twice. Hey, did you watch them play in the Club World Cup? Last no, week. I didn't watch it because I knew they were going to lose because they Dude, suck now. That was so painful. Oh they, my God. they suck. They're so bad. Yeah, this is pretty tough. But they won the CONCACAF. <laughs> yeah, they won, they won the CONCACAF last year and then decided they didn't want to be a team anymore. So Yeah, and now they have to go play. It's a good thing because if they if they would have somehow won that game, they would have played Real Madrid and that would have been yeah. like, really That would have been an absolute beatdown. But then again, yeah. keep in mind, Real Madrid isn't going to be playing their best players for significant no, minutes in that right. because it's a joke of a tournament. So, yeah. Hey, how did you? So, like, as a kid, it was easy for me because I had four professional sports teams and I, like, genuinely just don't care about hockey or the Coyotes. Like, that team can die. Um, but, like, if, like, it aren't the they hockey dead team, already? But, yeah. The hockey team I actually cheer for is the Kraken, but that's like, but that's like very, like, loose. Like that's like very far down the list of like sports. It's like the Suns and then the Diamondbacks and then like the Cardinals, I guess. And then like all of the like college teams and like every soccer league that I don't watch, right? That I like have like a random team of like I like like I'm you're, you're a big like, Kilmernock guy, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, what I'm telling you is like I want like Kilmernock in in Scotland and like Napoli in Italy. Like I care about we those played teams we more. played as them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, I care FIFA. about those teams more than I care about <laughs> an NHL team, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I I uh, will never. I'm convinced that I will never witness one of those teams win. But I had the luxury of just choosing the local teams. How did you decide what teams to cheer for as a kid? Well, like I said, my my biggest fandom, the team that I subscribe 100 die hard to, is the University of Montana Grizzlies, and that 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 is local. My dad went there. We've had season tickets since I was literally an infant. So big Grizz fan. But aside from that, I mean, I started cheering for Gonzaga when I was in middle school because I was in this restaurant called The Brew House during the NCAA tournament one year, and they were playing in the Sweet 16. I can't remember who they were playing against, but I was like, oh, I'm cheering for that team. And ever since then, I've just been a big Gonzaga fan. <laughs> it's, awesome. kind of, it's kind of crazy. Crazy how that happens. My my NFL team. I'm a Colts fan. My uncle, who is from Wyoming, which is funny because that's not Indiana or a place even. He's a Colts fan, <laughs> and he used to when I was really little. He used to come up to me and say, "Hey Connor, go Colts," and I'd say, "Go Grizz." <laughs> so I'd be like, "I'm not cheering for the Colts because I'm a Grizz fan." But then, <laughs> like then I realized or something. <laughs> they would never play each other. So <laughs> I became a Colts fan. I witnessed Peyton Manning win the Super Bowl. It was it was glorious times nice. back in the Manning days. Um, what else? I so in the NBA, I was 
a Cavaliers fan and a Celtics fan. Okay. But How did you stumble upon those teams? I don't know. I have no idea. Because I was really young and LeBron was really cool. And then the Celtics, I just liked their logo, I guess. I just thought it was cool <laughs> that he was like this little leprechaun spinning a ball on his finger. And so at the time when LeBron was was there in his first stint, I was really paying attention to the Cavs. Didn't really pay much attention to the Celtics, but they were a team that I knew and that I cheered for. So when the Celtics won that title in 2008, I think I really wasn't a Celtics fan, but I wanted them to win that, that chip. Right. Mm-hmm. Well then LeBron left and I was really ticked at LeBron for it. And I've hated him since. And I just kind of stopped cheering for the Cavaliers cause I didn't care about him anymore. And I started cheering for the Celtics more. And at that time, the Celtics, you know, they went and they played the Lakers in 09. Was it? And lost mm-hmm. that, that series. And then they played LeBron in, in the Eastern Conference Finals for a couple years in a row. Never really got there. So actually last year was the first time as a Celtics fan that I've actually seen them play in the finals. Oh, Premier League. Chelsea is the same thing as Gonzaga for me. I just I was on a basketball trip one time and we were in Shelby, Montana. They call it the Paris of the High Line. Cause it's the only, <laughs> it's the only big city in Northern Montana that isn't Kalispell and it's like East of the Rockies. Okay. But anyway, so we're in a hotel room and I turn on the TV, you know, we had like an hour or so until we had to get on the bus and leave. And there was only a soccer game on. And so I'm watching the soccer game and it's Chelsea versus probably like freaking Southamptons or, or like <laughs> Aston Villa or something like that. And uh, it was raining and Chelsea had on their, it was the kits that they had where it was like the gold numbers and letters on it. And Fernando Torres scored a goal. And I was like, this is so cool. And so I became a Chelsea fan that year. Yeah. I think Crazy that's how it. that happens. Like I got indoctrinated by where I live. So like I yeah, was just exactly. a Suns fan. Cause that's the thing. But it is, I guess if you don't have that, it is funny to figure out like, well, who do you cheer for? I had that. Like I had the same thing with the premier league. I always, I had a friend and I who like watched soccer as memes back in high school. Cause like we didn't actually care. And yeah, I like, so we became man city fans just cause we liked the colors, Ooh. but, but I guess now they're like, that's like the bandwagon team, right? Like it's seriously just crazy. Yeah. But I, I will say that I I've low key now. Just like as a very casual premier league and soccer watcher, I am a Leeds United like supporter just because they're basically the U S national team. <laughs> yeah. Didn't they just get so, Weston McKinney? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got McKinney and then they have Aronson and uh, yep. Adams, but they just fired. And they had an American coach who they just fired. The other one I was going to say was I don't have a hockey team. I it's actually have never, it's actually really funny. I had never been to a hockey game or watched a hockey game until this Friday night. No way. And I went to the Helena Bighorns hockey game. <laughs> That's like a college, like semi-pro league, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. In- actually, a crazy atmosphere. There were a ton of people there. But I was walking in and my brother Cole was with me. And I said, this is going to be the best hockey game I've ever been to. <laughs> this the is, only one. This was the best hockey game I've ever watched. And then we go in 20 minute periods, right? Three 20 minute periods. Mm-hmm. But in between each of the three 20 minute periods, there's a 20 minute like halftime it takes 20 oh. minutes in between periods. And I was just like, I can't do this. So we sat through the first two periods and I was like, I can't do the third one. So we left. 
I decided I was going to start watching hockey or like start following hockey a little bit a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, well, I was like the Coyotes had just moved out of their arena they had played in at Gila River. Yep. And the big talks were like, they're going to leave. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to cheer for the Coyotes because like <laughs> they're going to leave anyways. Like I'm not, I'm not going to like, I'm not trying to like have a supersonic situation, you know, because like I yeah. kind of like don't care about them. No one in Arizona really cares about them. Well, and I guess that's why they're having such a hard time. But like shocking uh, that, that was the, a team yeah, in the desert can't handle can't it, handle you know? a hockey fan base. Yeah. But that was around the time that the Seattle Kraken had their like inaugural draft or began to exist so i watched the like yeah. espn special where they like drafted their inaugural team and so i was like all right i'll cheer for this team like this is these guys are new they're probably gonna suck this year and like whatever and then they did they were pretty bad last year and now they're now they're second place in their division they're going to the playoffs this year i think hey so, look at that go cracking yeah, speaking go of crackin'. seattle yeah that's another team that i that i cheer for the seattle dragons of the xfl really do you remember when the XFL had its first go and then was killed by COVID? And now I it's coming do. Back? I never really, I, I knew it was a thing. I never really followed it. We had a it, team in Arizona, I think, though. I don't recall. I know no. the hot shots of the whatever that league was, was a thing, but that's not XFL. Oh, that's what I was talking. That's not XFL. That's what I was I don't think so. About. Yeah. No, the XFL was actually pretty sick. They had like the Xbox controller doing the, the replays and the, the oh. official reviews or whatever. It was it's funny. But anyways, yeah, do you remember the jokes I used to make? I was like, yo, I've been a Seattle Dragons fan since birth, baby. We're going to win the chip this year. Let's go. <laughs> it's like this is the first year of the Seattle Dragons. Dude, that's me with the Kraken. Been a Kraken <laughs> fan since day one. <laughs> Which was like I came out the womb of a Kraken yeah. fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick, real quick. There's a, yeah, there's a TikTok page. It's my favorite thing ever. And I, I saw this on my For You page. And it was like the weirdest thing ever. It was like, it was like you, if you've seen this, you are a, you are like a, you're a Dragons fan. And everyone's like, everyone in the comments was like, go Dragons with the dragon emoji. And like, let's go. And I was like, what is this? And so I was like, all right, I'm a Dragons fan. And I look up and it's called. Uh, you didn't even know what, it, you didn't know no, what no, no, it no. was. No, no, like... no. This is the best, Connor. It, it's called the fictional sports. It's, it's FSL Dragons. I was like, F- I was like, it's like I, I, my first thought was like, this is some weird soccer team, right? There's like a million soccer leagues. This is some like sixth tier English like soccer club. Like this is like this is what I thought it was. Like some weird team. So everyone's like, go dragons. And there's like the comments like sound vaguely like it's related to soccer. So like, all right. And I look, and apparently what happens is someone just came up with the idea of like we're gonna have a fictional sports league, and we have ten teams, and whichever team shows up on your for you page, you have to cheer for that team. But there's like, it's not real. And so then they'll post, they'll like, this week, this is what happened. But like, you have no idea of like what sport they're playing. So it's just like the dragons lost to the knights and the frogs beat the unicorns. So the dragons are 0 and 3 right now. And so then it's someone... basically, it's basically the NFL then. It's just scripted. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you have no idea what it is. So like, the comments are like, so I posted, I was like, yeah, so like, we always start slow. Like, we'll be fine. We'll be ready. We'll be rearing up for the playoffs. <laughs> but someone made a like, a, uh, an FSL Dragons like news page and like breaking news. The Dragons have just hired their coach, and it was like some ridiculous made up name. And everyone was like, "No, he was the guy." But it's just so funny because it's like not real at all. So send it to me. A, send it to me. Be an FSL Dragons fan with me. We can we can be fans in the fake sports league. <laughs> send it to me, bro. Okay. <laughs> hey Zach, do you know what time it is? Uh, time for us to actually do the win the whack podcast, right? We're like thirty minutes in. <laughs> I've been talking about GCU at all. <laughs> hey, guess what? What? 
It's trivia time. You are currently five and three, and I am five and three. So we'll see how we end up after today. Here's my question for you. After Saturday's loss, GCU is now six and four all time with matchups in Seattle. So that's 10 total matchups. Out of those 10, how many were decided by a single digit margin? One more time. Okay, so GCU has played 10 games at Seattle U. Okay. How many of those 10 have been decided by a single digit margin? Okay. Here's the thing. I can't remember genuinely any of them, but I, I do feel like, all right, Seattle U has always been okay. Like there, I don't remember very many years where Seattle U sucks. Like basically like in the, I'm talking like in the, in the previous years before we actually got good teams, it was always like New Mexico state, us, Utah Valley, and then Seattle. And then like a pretty big gap. Cause then there's like Bakersfield and Chicago state and like a bunch of other bums. Um, so I feel like they've always been pretty good. So I'm inclined to think it's like a lot. So I would guess like seven. That would be correct. <laughs> no way. Oh my gosh. That's, is it really? It is actually. Okay. What are the non dude? That's wild. What are the so, non, I like just totally guess. So what I don't have, non- I don't have all of the non okay single digit margins on hand, but I was going to also ask you a bonus question. Okay. If you get it, I can add it to your record. If you don't get it, I won't take anything away. Okay. What is the largest margin of victory out of the 10? I feel like, no, like I do remember a couple times that I feel like I remember us smoking them, but like kind of like rare. Um, Like I would guess like, I would guess like we probably won by like 23 or something, 25, somewhere in there. So this is why this is crazy. Out of the 10 games that we've played, seven mm-hmm. of them are by single-digit margins. Okay. The largest margin of victory uh-huh. is held by GCU. Okay. January 6, 2018, we yeah. won 73-57 for a 16-point oh, victory. That's the widest margin? That is the widest margin. Are these the games game. just games at Seattle U? These are just the games series. at Seattle U. Yeah, none, okay. of them, none of them in GCU or at the WAC tournament because yeah. we beat the brakes off of them. I think it was the year that we went to the tournament. Yeah. We destroyed them in Vegas, but right. Right. Maybe that's the thing you have. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. So in Seattle, all those games are fairly close. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. They're, they're usually a good team. They're usually respectable. They're not, they're not ever really a walkover in any time that I remember. Well, and as we've learned, it's hard to win in a gym that, is smaller than I, most listen, high school gyms. And I know we kind of give them a hard time for their gym, but like it doesn't actually matter. Here's what I will say. I the quality of actually watching a game there is way worse than it. It's so else. bad. It it's looks so bad. like you're watching the like what we do at high school games where you have like the camera in the back and you just like pan mm-hmm. it. It's yep. so it's really horrible quality trying to watch those games. Yep. So GCU played New Mexico State this week. We like we like we've already mentioned they won by double digits. New Mexico State's men's basketball program for those of you that haven't heard, which it should be none of you, has been canceled uh, due to some certain like recent allegations that have come out completely unrelated to the the incident in Albuquerque with New Mexico earlier. This is an entirely different thing, and we'll get into that later. Um, but with that, the New Mexico State uh, men's basketball season it does appear to be over, and so they will end the season with a 2-10 and conference record and a 9-15 and overall record. 
And this is the first time that the Aggies have had a winning, a losing record overall in a very long time. Connor, when is the last time New Mexico State has had a losing record? I'll give you a hint. It is during the whack. It is during the whack. I'll, I'll give you another hint because I, I okay. think this is hilarious. Their head coach was Marvin Menzies. Oh, geez, Louise. Okay. I mean, he I... was head coach for a long time, but that's it's one of those years. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm guessing it was probably early on in his coaching career there. Pulling up Marvin Menzies' Wikipedia page. I'm not going to look at his records. Remember I'm just going to. coach. He's <laughs> an assistant. Remember he's when we were like Marley's replacement. <laughs> remember we yeah. Remember when we were like, oh shoot, he's gonna bring some serious, some serious basketball IQ into this program. <laughs> LOL. Okay, so he was the coach at New Mexico State from oh se- seven to two thousand sixteen. I'm gonna guess it was the oh eight oh nine team. No, good guess. That Dang. team was 17 and 15. So what's funny is Menzies did have his first year. That team was 21 and 14. So they're pretty good. And then he, that 08 or 19 was okay. And then the following year, they actually made the NCAA tournament in 9 10. And then 10 11 was the year they had a 16 and 17 record. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. But then af- it's funny because after that, he went on to take them to four straight NCAA tournaments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of surprising. And then prior to that, the last time they've had a losing record was their la- the, la- the year before they joined the WAC, actually, in 0405, they were in the Sun Belt and they were horrific. They were six and twenty-four. <laughs> um but yeah. That's crazy. All right. Well, so that means you by some some miracle. I guess you had a one in ten chance. Yeah, that was pretty wild. I'm gonna but be by some miracle, you moved to six and three. Let's go. And I moved to five and four. I'm coming back. So we talked about this last time, and I think it's still true. Before we break down the game, I just want to say this, and then you can <laughs> get going. It is so much more fun to not watch a Lopes game and then just see, like, oh, we won, than to actually <laughs> watch this team play. <laughs> to just sleep through the whole game and be like, oh, we won my double digits. Uh, it's really cool. <laughs> um, and then in the rewatch, at least I can know, like, oh, we won by double digits. So. Yeah, we won by double digits, but probably shouldn't have. Well, here's the thing. We probably should have, but we got to the point where it was likely that we were not going to win by double digits. I think it's so funny that you you slept through the game. Oh, yeah. And then I, on the, do you remember where I was at? For the New Mexico State game? Yeah. Were you on a bus? No, no, no. I posted a picture of it, though, on Twitter. Oh, oh, no, I asked you. I don't know if you ever responded to me. I was losing my oh. I, I didn't. Him, like, where is this? Yeah, I didn't answer. Yes, because I wanted to say it on the podcast. Yeah, you were. So I was crazy. You were I like, was at, at like, a town hall. It looked like you're really close there. I was at a piano concert at the Montana State Capitol building. No. <laughs> yeah, it looked like an old tiny parliament. It was hilarious. So here's what happened. I told my dad. I said, "Get some pizzas." We're going to watch the Lopes game. They're playing New Mexico State. This is a good chance that we're going to win this game. And I was like, I'm going to go to the gym. I'll be back like 30 minutes before the game starts and we can we can get this thing rolling, right? I go to the gym. My friend Abby, who lives in Missoula, she goes to the U of M. 
she sent me a, a Snapchat and she's like, look who I found. And my brother works at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And it was a picture of her and my brother. And I was like, you didn't tell me you were in Helena. She's like, oh, I forgot that you lived here still. <laughs> Cause I was in Phoenix mm-hmm. for, for six years. Yeah. Anyways, she was like, I have a piano concert at the Capitol tonight. I would like you to come. And I was like, what time is it at? She On goes, Aggie's night? <laughs> yes, exactly. That was my I was like, or I was like, when's it at? And she's like, seven. Oh. And I was like, oh gosh. I have some plans tonight. I'll see what I can do. And so Cole comes, he meets me at the gym. I'm on the treadmill waiting for him. He finally shows up. And I was like, Are you going to Abby's thing? And he was like, Yeah. And I was like, Oh, dude. I got Lopes Aggies tonight. What am I going to do? And so I was like, okay, I will go, but I'm going to have the game on my phone and I will not be paying attention to the piano. And you know what? Here's the thing. When you're talking piano, you don't have to watch anything. You just have to sit and listen. And so I was able to enjoy the GCU for at least the first half of the game. I left it halftime. I was able to enjoy the GCU game and listen to some Wonderful piano players, including my dear friend, Abby. So it was actually a cool experience, but the best experience of the night, sorry, Abby, was GCU defeating the Aggies. So I went and I grabbed my big party box speaker and I just started playing celebrate good times. Come on. But anyways, all that to say, it was, it was, it was a wonderful night as a Lopes fan. I didn't think, you know, the entire first half where I was, was enjoying the piano and I was enjoying the Lopes game at the same time. Not one moment during that first half was I like, Oh, this is a kneecap buster game. Yeah. And then second half starts Oh, all of a sudden my kneecaps, they started, they started shaking a little bit. They're like, Oh gosh, we might, we might not make it. Not good thing for my kneecaps. They, they got an extra couple days to enjoy, Jeez. enjoy their lives. And then after that, about it. yeah, <laughs> Yeah, GCU, you know, what I saw was just Pinson went absolutely mad in the middle of the second half there. And then I think he just ran out of steam. And when he ran out of steam, his team ran out of steam. So, yeah, it is what it is, man. I'm I'm just thrilled that the Lopes won that game. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, Pinson's good. He had a pretty good game. He had 22 points on 17 shots. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, yeah, volume shooter, but he had, he had a pretty good game. The Lopes, they did what they do. They did a good job of sharing the wealth. Noah Bauman is really, for me, like just really stepping into the role that is exactly what we need from him. Honestly, maybe even a little more than what I expected. He had 15 in that game, three for six from three. 15 points on seven shots, like it's crazy. So, like, really, really great game from him. And then, obviously, Harrison, you know what you're going to get from him. Like, he just, he's just, he's just a great player. I mean, I guess you you know what you're gonna get with him until you play in a high school gym in Seattle. But well, yeah, but like, holy smokes, man! Jeez, yeah, I I don't know if I really have much else to say about the Aggies game. I'm just I'm thrilled no, about the so. win. Yeah, I. It's a bummer that we don't get a chance to play them at the Pan Am this year, just because I feel like what? No, it's not, <laughs> dude. First of all, here's what I have to say about that whole thing. Well, we we can get we can get into it later. I feel bad for the players who aren't responsible. Yeah, that's tough, but, man. But also, I think this was a good year for the Lopes to be able to try and get that win at the Pan Am. It's true. And now we aren't going to ever have the opportunity to. 
as a wax school anyways. So it's a bummer, but maybe we need to start scheduling home and aways with them. I think it'd be worthwhile. I, I'd enjoy still playing them in the non-conference. It'd be a good game to schedule. Absolutely. And I and right. I could actually see that being a, a really rational thing. So Me too. All right. I have an offensive play of the game. Baker baseline drive. Uh, Mohammed just has a hesitation and do the hoop and a harm. Well, the Baker man done did it. He went reverse layup with a little hesitation at the rim just to get the defense in the air. A little contact, concentration to finish the play. Look at a nice job by McMillan. Just kind of sealing off that baseline. Allowing Baker to make that move. And he rewards the Lopes with the two points. All right, so our offensive play of the game, we have the Lopes are currently up eight points, five minutes, 28 seconds left in the second half. Chance McMillan's bring the ball down court. The Lopes end up setting up in a horns formation with Noah Bauman on the near side elbow and Gabe McLaughlin on the far side elbow. Chance McMillan's got the ball on the far side. He's going to do a little ball screen with Gabe McLaughlin. Gabe McLaughlin's going to pop out. Bauman now dives down to the block and then cuts to the opposite side corner. Gabe McLaughlin dribbles the ball towards near side elbow and has a little dribble handoff with Josh Baker. Now Josh Baker is going to turn and face the hoop. He's looking for possibly a post up for Gabe McLaughlin. What Gabe McLaughlin does is he gets south of his defender and starts to seal him for possible lob over the top. But Baker has his guy beat out of position and starts driving towards the bucket. Gabe McLaughlin makes an incredible play here where he seals his defender and then he steps out and seals Josh Baker's defender as well. So he, he takes two guys out at one time, both legally Josh Baker jump stops at the basket. Gabe McLaughlin's original defender is able to get up and try and attempt a, a block shot, but Baker just, Ball fakes and then goes up and under and gets the reverse layup and the foul for the and one. And as Scott and Barry would call it, a hoop and a harm. So great play there for the Lopes offensively. And it's actually awesome. I think that's the first time Josh Baker gets an offensive play of the game from us. He's had a few defensive, but first time with the offensive. Yeah. I'm noticing a trend in our offensive plays of the game. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding that a lot of them come to be because of something awesome off the ball that Gabe McLaughlin does. He's just awesome. His his basketball IQ, like you said, is so huge. And I think you emphasized exactly what he does so well, which is he seals his guy, which is like the the kind of the key thing. And then once he sees that the Baker is downhill, the only options are Baker's going to get an and one or Baker's going to miss and get fouled. But like, there's no way that like this guy can stop Baker who's already downhill without fouling him. He immediately just goes to then seal Baker's guy so that he can't recover and force a double. And then he puts McLaughlin's original guy. Who's the big man in this like horrible position of like trying to guard Baker downhill where you either just can't stop. You can't stop him and you just have to foul. And then just a nice finish by Baker to get the end one, but really smart play by McLaughlin. Absolutely. And really good control by Baker as well. Yeah. Yeah, smart, smart play to, to go around for the reverse and obviously just a, just a good finish at the rack. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of Gabe McLaughlin, you got the Gabe McLaughlin jersey? Oh my gosh, Connor. It's really cool. Hold on. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Hold on. Hang on. I'll be back. 
I'm back. All right. So here it is. Looking snazzy. Whoa. Number 30. It's really cool. At the bottom, it's got the, the cactuses and whatnot. Um, and then a logo. And then on the back, obviously McLaughlin. There's a there's a cross at the top, which is really cool. Yeah. And then down here is uh, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, which, you know, what's funny? I actually probably should. I, I don't know what uh, the significance of this is, but I'm assuming it's a verse that's significant to Gabe McLaughlin. What's the scripture um, again? Matthew 5, 14 through 16. I know um, I've read it recently. But yeah, that's at the bottom of the jerseys. Um, oh, it's you are the yeah, light it, of the world. Oh, City of awesome. cannot yeah. be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Nice. Yeah, it was really cool. And then the jersey actually came in a bag that on the bag had a like a personalized note from Gabe McLaughlin, which was really cool. And I, I kept yeah. the bag. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really cool. It was it, it felt I don't know, like, obviously, like those are like, kind of like stock things he, he writes to the people who buys them but but it felt really cool and personal and the jersey's awesome so 10 out of 10 recommend uh hey, if you, you, if you, you got it jersey. and i saw that he left the note and i was like that yeah that, that does it for me so i went and i bought one too so did you really yeah, yeah. It, no it's really cool and i posted it on twitter and kind of like advertised it to the lopes out there so like well if, and it's it's you, really cool guys if you got yeah. 60 bucks to spare i know that that's really a huge support for gabe and i, I just i think he's a kind of he's the kind of guy who deserves to get a little love so yeah yeah if you, if you got 60 bucks to spare just get yourself a Gabe McLaughlin jersey yeah it's a cool it jersey. at the GCU games I'm gonna do it when I go down to the Seattle game on the 24th of February nice. so so yeah yeah no it's awesome really really yeah. cool jersey but um but yeah obviously shout out to Gabe McLaughlin um got the jersey this week that was cool and, and he played really well in this New Mexico State game um what a guy yeah he had like our first four buckets or something like that anyways yeah, do you want to pick good. a player of the game for this game yeah. So for this one, I guess once again, like we have this running dialogue where in any given game, it can be Rayshon Harrison. Yeah. Um, and so I guess like that's still true. I'm going to I'm going to say that it's Bauman just because he, I think, really overperformed in his role. Like he, he was really great. Um, he was four for seven from the field, three for six from three, four for four from the line, 15 points on four. Um, 15 points on four, uh, what am I saying? 15 points on seven shots, which is really efficient, three rebounds. So just, just a pretty good game. He only had one turnover, but he did have, he also had two steals, which is, which is kind of awesome. So he had a really good game, pretty efficient in his time. He's, he's, I really like him because I, I find that he like McLaughlin. I don't know he's not as athletic as McLaughlin, but I think his, he has good anticipation that almost makes up for it. I find that he's both a pretty good defender on the wing and in the perimeter because he just like, he predicts what the guy's going to do pretty well. Whereas like McLaughlin is just really athletic and can like react. But, mm -hmm. but I think Bauman predicts really well. So his defenses looked good. He doesn't shoot a lot, but when he does shoot, he's efficient. And he had a great game off the bench. He was our second highest scorer at 15. Harrison had 18. Well, what's funny is according to Ken Palm, McLaughlin is actually the MVP with 14 points and nine rebounds, which is a which is a great scoreline. So yeah, McLaughlin was very good, phenomenal in that game. But I think it's fair to give it to to Noah Bauman because you you said it you said it right when you said he outperformed his role. And when any guy does that, it, it's it, it's just really great for the team. 
I would I would argue that Gabe McLaughlin probably outperformed his role too. You don't yeah. have very many nights where he's scoring 14 points. Um, but for him to have nine rebounds and 14, almost got that double double is awesome. But I, I'm with shots. you on Noah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you with yeah. Noah Bauman. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, good, really like the guys did what they were supposed to do. Champs had 12 points. He had a good game. Champs really spread the wealth. Rebounds. Game. Yep. Yeah. No, they did a good job. Baker had nine. Baker, what's funny, Baker only shot six shots, but I, I felt like I felt like there was a bigger effort in this game to actually create shots for Baker. Sometimes my my concern has been that Baker's shots are out of rhythm or that like there's not set shots for Baker. So when he gets a shot, it's like something fall you know breaks down and then it just is like, oh well, I guess like he's got the ball with the shot clock winding down, so he better shoot it. Um so I liked that there it seemed like there were actually plays for him like the play we reviewed right where, where he can kind of drive and McLaughlin seals and he can get downhill um because he yeah. is pretty he is pretty explosive when he gets downhill so yeah it was good to see I think I think we played really well um I I'm sad that obviously we're not gonna like you said we're not gonna get another crack in New Mexico State but uh, I'm glad that we you know won the opportunity we had and it might have been our most comfortable win of the season with the exception of Arlington yeah in conference absolutely. Play, at least yeah, yeah. absolutely 100 percent you ready to move on to the travesty that was the Seattle U game? Yeah, I guess I am. I'm not actually like, all right. I don't know. I yeah, I am. I, I'm ready. Let's go for it. So you sound like you're you're about to say that you don't feel like it was a travesty. No, it was like obviously it's not a game. It's a game that hurts to lose, but I think it's one of those things where like we had a at least defensively, we had a game plan of what we wanted to do. And we did that, right? So, like, we talked about this last time on the pod. Tyson and Grigsby can get hot. And if we can kind of contain Tyson and Grigsby, then things look good. Well, Tyson was 0 for 4 from 3. He was 3 for 8 from the field. And he only had 11 points. Grigsby had 16 points, but on 16 shots. So pretty inefficient, right? So we the two guys who had been scoring a lot for them, we controlled them. But it's Alex Shoemaker who scored 26 and 8 rebounds, right? So, like... We had a game plan to control their two guys that score a lot. We did that. And one of their role players went nuts. and scored 26. And I think like sometimes that just happens. So to say like, oh, obviously, yeah, we don't want to lose to Seattle. It doesn't feel good. But from a defensive standpoint, we, we did the thing that I like, which is we are going to stop your best players from taking over and we're going to make the role players beat us and the role players beat us. And that's fine. That's not going to happen consistently. So in that aspect, I think it's not as bad as some Lopes fans are making it out to be. The reason I'm making it a huge deal is because of the lack of execution down the stretch. And we'll get into that. Yeah. But I did want to point out, it's funny that you bring up the the Schumacher thing. And, and, and we can't talk about this game without talking about his performance. He went absolutely berserk. Yeah, he was great. He, he had 26, like you said. He was 7 for 15 from the field, which is really, really respectable. It's funny. The reason I want to talk about this is because when I did my preview for the game, the two guys that I mentioned were Grigsby and Tyson. Yeah. And as we said, now they, they got some points, you know, they were 11 and 16, but as you said, not great shooting performances. And what I had argued last week is if one of those guys has a bad night, the Lopes are in good position to, to win the game. And mm-hmm. guess what? They were. But you yeah. had mentioned that Schumacher was the guy that yeah. could that could handle the 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 load that 
might be dropped by somebody else. And you had said he has had one game where he has shot over 10 field goal attempts. Mm -hmm. And that was their first game of the season. Yeah. Since then, he's been averaging around 10 points a game on less than 10 field goals. And then he goes and against the Lopes, he shoots 15 shots and scores 26 points. Yeah. Absolute domination of the Lopes. Right. And here's here's my thing. I'm I'm intrigued about this game a little bit because I'm looking at the minutes and I remember thinking during during the game, like, why isn't this guy getting more minutes? Why isn't this guy getting more minutes? My thought was, why is Yo getting 26 minutes to Igehan's three when I felt like it, it was a chess match between the guards? And then also, why wasn't Kobe Knox getting more minutes? Because he only got 13. And that yeah. really frustrated me because Kobe Knox hit a corner three. Our guys who typically shoot quite a few threes in a game were not shooting very well from three down the stretch. Now, Gabe McLaughlin isn't the kind of guy that you want shooting threes at a high volume. He's good for, I'd say, one or two attempts per game, and he's probably good for at least one really solid look that will probably go in. I think he was 0 for 3 in the final five minutes of the game. Walter Ellis, who is a stud from behind the arc, he short-armed a corner three, which was detrimental because we needed a bucket at that point in the game. And Kobe Knox is just sitting on the sideline. Our last bucket in the last, what, three minutes was Gabe McLaughlin's post-up. And aside from that, I think we had one where Josh Baker hit a last-second buzzer for the the shot clock over a defender at the three-point line. And aside from that, in the last five minutes of the game, it felt like it was a let Ray cook situation when it could have been like we said, more set plays coming out of timeouts with set set plays. Even if you're just going through a basic offensive system, I feel like that's a lot better for us than just having Ray dribble the ball, try and drain the clock because you're up a few points and then try and have him cook or cross some guy up because at least if you get some actions in GCU's offense or their offensive possessions, as we know and have known for a long time, take longer than most teams in the nation. GCU has a lot, it takes a long time to get shots off. Yeah. We've known this. So why are we sitting at the top of the key, dribbling the ball out until there's 15 to 10 seconds left on the shot clock and then trying to get somebody crossed up when we could just run through our actions, drain as much clock as we would anyways, and then get... I would say a better shot. Yeah. That's my, it doesn't make sense. No, you're right. And, and you're right to be frustrated because what we've seen is that was a very evident thing early in the season that we would just spend too much time dribbling around and then not get a good shot. Right. We we've made note of it several times. We said it about the Utah Valley game. We brought it back up against the Tarleton game when, when obviously it happened a lot there. It just felt like for whatever reason, this game was like, this game, and I tweeted after the game, and, and part of it was just, I was just really mad that we lost, but I tweeted, like, this was a classic Lopes game. And what I mean by that is, yeah. I saw this game we just played against Seattle. That's the fifth time this year I've seen that game. I yeah. watched us, like, I, I watched us play that game against Loyola Marymount. I already mm-hmm. watched this game against North Texas, you know? I saw us play this game against Nevada. I've seen this it. Is, I saw us play this game against Stephen F. Austin. I've seen this, this game, game already. This game was exactly the same game as Utah Valley. Yeah. Aside from the fact that Utah Valley had a little bit of a bigger lead on us at the end of the game, it was almost picture perfect, yep. identical. Yep. And, 
the reason yeah. I say that is because GCU started down, was it zero to seven? Uh, 11, 11, zero. Oh, it was? Holy cow. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. According to Yeah, Ken, no, I was, I was still, I was still at an open gym. So I was watching on my phone and kind of not paying attention a little bit, but I, that, that early deficit, the Lopes had to chip away at that the entire first half to get it down to six. Right. And so that was a really early deficit for us. And then we were just cooking in the second half. I thought once we got up 11, I was like, surely, surely we're going to win this game. Right. But and this is the- what I will say. This is what I will say. And I, I've said this coming into a lot of games. And what's funny is we didn't do this in the games. We win. We don't do this. And in the games we lose. We do. We can't get this far behind. We can't come out playing this badly no. because what happens is every game we are due for a sick run, right? Where we'll go on a run where we'll, we'll outscore them 19 to eight. Like we did yeah. at the top of the second half. Um, the problem is when you have to make that run to cut the deficit, right? When you have to make that run to tie the game, you know, when you have to make that run to put your team up two. Then it's really tough. What's what what is yeah, better? Just is ask you. Just ask New Mexico State. Right. What's better is if you stick with the team all game and then make that run to go up twelve. Right. Those are the games the Lopes win. Cal Baptist, perfect example. Right. We kind of stuck with them. We were down a couple. We stayed in it and a massive run and we we're up double digits. Right. When we played them at home. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, Good so this example. is the thing. We just cannot. We just can't go down this much early in a game, and I don't know why we come out like this on the road. Um, but we do, we do it a lot and we just come out like we come out like the thing we've tried all season that doesn't work. is going to work. And it's not this like dr- this, like dribble around forever and just do dribble handoffs and then let them hedge ball screens. And then you just hand off four times and take a bad shot. Like we do this every game to start the game. And then it takes, it takes us being down 11 zero to realize it doesn't work. Why? We know it doesn't yeah. work. No. It's never worked. It hasn't worked all year. Yeah, do something absolutely. else. So like, I don't understand. Like, I guess I don't understand that. That's what I, I don't get. Well, and the real, my frustration is, yes, we started out really slow after that. I guess, like you said, it was 11 to zero after that. I felt like the Lopes played really well from being down 11, zero to the point where we were up by 11 points. I thought yeah. that we absolutely dominated that stretch of the game. Mm-hmm. After we were up 11, we gave up a couple of quick buckets and it was like, oh, you know, like, sure, there's frequent times in a game where a team is going to get two buckets in a row without giving up one in the middle of them. And I was like, okay, well, if the Lopes can just handle business on this next possession, we can get back up to by like eight or something like that at this point. Well, at that point, Seattle started double teaming at the top of the at the top of the possession. So instead of like, you know, where we would get into double team situations where it was like off a ball screen against Tarleton, where they would hedge out on us and absolutely give our guards fits, they were double teaming high, like at half court or just just beyond half court. And it seemed like we couldn't handle it. I don't know what it is. I don't want to say that our guards are not good enough to handle it, but it seems like they're not. And I don't want to mix GCU and Gonzaga because Gonzaga's guard play has been atrocious. But just last week, we were talking about how, oh, we have a really solid backcourt where Chance McMillan scoring 24 and Ray Harrison scoring 28. This is awesome. We're in good shape with the guards. And then all of a sudden, I feel like the guards had a really tough game this week. I mean, yeah. Chance McMillan and Gabe McLaughlin were the leading scorers for the for the Lopes again, but, yeah, but they we're talking really 12 hard. and 13. And, and really, really inefficient shooting. Like Harrison had 13 points on 20 shots. So 
that's that's not sustainable. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much more to say other than what what's already been said. Other than I, I guess like, I don't know. We're gonna play Seattle again at home. We're gonna play them possibly in a neutral court. And I, I think I like our chances there because even then, what I saw is like I'm still not super impressed with Seattle. I've I've been low oh, no. on them all year. I'm still low on them. They're the team that like looking at. Obviously, we're we're probably not gonna get a buy, and we're probably gonna play someone like a, a lower seated team in the first round, like an Arlington or an RGB or something. And then if I'm looking at like, who do I want to play in the quarterfinals? It's them. I want Seattle. So, so we'll see, we'll see what we get, but, but yeah, that was tough. It was a tough one to watch. Definitely a kneecap buster. Like we said, but I think we'll bounce back. It's I definitely we'll going to stink okay. when we win the WAC championship and then my kneecaps can't celebrate with us. Cause I've already blown them off. Yeah. But but yeah, we have a stretch where we need to take care of business. Just to clarify, I don't actually feel confident about the Lopes winning the WAC championship. Vegas. So <laughs> I I don't either. But yeah. I, I don't feel I feel like it could happen though. I don't feel like super could happen. about our chances. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I have a defensive play of the game for the Seattle U game. Grant Sheffield battling down low. Ige Han wants the ball. We don't see him post up a lot. Chaffield goes up, missed his shot, and then got it back. It was tipped. That's why he was able to catch it. But now the lope's the other way. GCU has cut into that 11-0 lead that Seattle U had, and it is now a 16-20 game. Seattle U still leading, but it's 10 minutes left in the first half. GCU just hit a bucket. And so early in the shot clock, Seattle U gets into an action where they have Riley Grigsby setting a screen for Dawson, who's going to Iverson cut across the across the free throw line. Grigsby is just going to pop out on the far side wing. So Grigsby feeds the ball down to the low post on the far side to Chatfield, who has none other than Aiden Gahan, the three-minute mastermind, on him in the post. And he just stays home, stays on his feet. Both hands are up. And Chatfield tries to do a step around faces up to the basket, tries to hook one towards the, towards the basket. And Aiden Gahan gets a block on him. Now Chatfield's able to recover the ball a little bit, but he's fallen out of bounds. So he tries to throw it back into his teammates, but both Walter Ellis and Aiden Gahan are there and they kind of block the ball towards Gabe McLaughlin. It's a turnover lopes are running the other way in transition. So Aiden Gahan plays three minutes, gets the play of the game. Incredible. Yeah. Just a like, just a real head scratcher that he only got three minutes. I mean, like obviously, like he looked really good on this play. <laughs> Chatfield didn't do a lot of damage to us inside, so I get. But this is a place where like that's just a really hard play to make defensively, and it's not only make the play, but like follow the ball, right? Track down the loose ball, secure it, and then turn it the other way. Um, and he just looked good. I mean, he played for three minutes, didn't really take a shot. He had two rebounds and a block. That's what he provides for us in, in the paint on defense. And I guess, like you said, the idea is like, well, we don't need that. We don't need post defense. But then why is why is YO in there for so many minutes, right? Why don't we run the Bauman McLaughlin lineup? And maybe that's what we were, but like that's what I, I guess that's what I don't get, right? If we decide we don't want Gahan in there because we don't need post presence, then then YO shouldn't have gotten as many minutes as he did. But since I, I don't understand why he played three minutes is what I'm saying. Cause that he looked pretty good in those three minutes and yeah, no one absolutely. else on the team looked good in that game. Absolutely. You are very, very much so right. If I recall correctly, YO had a similar block in the second half where there was a post up and he was able to stay home and, and catch a block on it. But 
Mm-hmm. I think this one was a little bit better because the Lopes ended up getting the ball out of it. Let's move into player of the game really quickly. And I'm going to ask you to do a favor for me. Can you pull up the Ken Palm for this game? Because <laughs> honestly, I can't think of anybody to give it to. Dude, I, I would like to know what Ken Palm has to say, but I have an, an well, idea of who I want to give it to. Ken Palm gives it to Schumacher, which makes sense. They don't have a oh, player for us. They don't give a they don't give a person like a uh-uh. team MVP or something. No, MVP okay, Schumacher, gotcha. which makes sense. Gotcha. So here's what we have: Harrison scored 13 on 20 shots. Chance McMillan scored 12 on 10 shots and fouled out. Harrison also had six turnovers. McLaughlin had eight and seven on 14 shots. Wyo had five points in 26 minutes, two for two from the field. That's kind of sweet. Only four rebounds. Sweet. Kobe Knox had three points on four shots. Walter Ellis was two for three from three, but then the one he missed was like the biggest, the biggest one. moment. Yeah. Bauman had five points on eight shots, kind of a nightmare game there. And Baker had six points on, on three shots. I guess that's not bad. So and then I'm he gonna... had three minutes and no points. So that's our that's our depth chart. So I'm going to I'm going to split this one. I'm going to give it yeah. to two players. We had two yeah. players of the game. The first one goes to Aiden Gahan for making the most of those 3 minutes. So proud of Aiden Gahan. Yeah. You really did your boys proud by getting yeah. that block and a couple of couple of rebounds. So yeah. good for Aiden. For nice the last job, dude. one we said we said overperformed his role. That's what we gave it to Bauman for New Mexico State. Gahan in his 3 minutes, he did really well. He did bet the best of anyone in their role except maybe the next guy you're about to mention. Logan Landers, also player of the game. <laughs> Absolutely. He really brings that bench energy, and the team wouldn't be where they are without him. He brings some energy that is unmatched on the bench. And whenever he gets into the game, you oh, know, he's God. always going to go after it. He's going to try his best to get a technical. <laughs> what, a, what a beast, dude. I love Landers. Just a program, dude. You got to love Logan Landers. So, so yeah, that's that's the Lopes game against Seattle U for you. Still pretty salty about it, regardless. But let's let's move into around the whack. I'll start out with the Kimball. Since the most recent episode, Tarleton possessed the Kimball after taking it from UT Arlington on Monday. That was that rescheduled game. And on Thursday, February 9th, the Texans had a chance to defend its title in the hostile environment of Southern Utah. The Thunderbirds spoiled Tarleton's title defense and won 72. 62. Then on Saturday, February 11th, Southern Utah had the tall task of defending its Kimball title at Utah Valley. And the Thunderbirds were not up to the task and conceded the Kimball after losing 83 to 90 in a game that really was not all that close. So, yeah. What do you have for the rest of the round, the around the whack, Zach? Well, it's been a kind of, it's been a kind of, boring maybe boring is not the right word it's been a it's been a pretty status quo week in the whack the massive story is new mexico state <laughs> yeah yeah which is status I, I know that, quo yeah and the, like the things that happened were supposed to happen i think for the most part um new mexico state's the huge story here we're gonna that just because that's just there's just so much to say it's a lot we're kind of deep in this one we'll we'll hit that one a lot on the wednesday episode so be on the lookout for that but putting aside the like pretty massive story that is the new mexico state program nothing very surprising happened i guess the storyline to like address here is ut arlington picked up a huge road win over utrgv 
Um, and then fired, and then their, fired coach? their coach. Yeah. So that's that's the, the thing that I just think is weird. What Steve Young, was that his name? I don't recall, but that happened on Friday before the whole New Mexico news dropped. Dude, New yeah. Mexico State. And news. I was Greg Young. And I was just I was just really confused by that. I think that I think this UT Arlington program is a program that is not particularly talented, but is trending the right direction. And I think that I think that just listening to him talk about his team, I, I actually really like him. I got to listen to an interview actually on Wacoops Digest. He was on the show. And so I got to listen to him kind of talk it over with, with Kyle from Wacoops Digest. And this is earlier in this. This is actually earlier in the season, right after the Lopes stomped them. So I kind of wanted to hear, like, they just got blown out in, in GC. What does he have to say? And he was pretty good, right? I mean, he had a really good interview and just said, like, look, like, I know we've lost six in a row, but, like, I believe in the guys. Like, we're, we're, we're playing better and, like, we played well in the first half. What? And then they went on and they beat New Mexico State on the road, right? Yeah. So. Uh, and now, and now, obviously, they they just picked up that win. They've won um, four of their last seven, and then they fire him. So, I just don't get it. I think that's really weird. I don't understand why it had to happen. That well, I'm just hoping that there's not more to the story. There might be, and like be. if if there is, if there is, and that really sucks. And I'm sure we'll hear about it. If there's not, it's kind of a boneheaded move, in my opinion. Honestly, you said that they were trending in the right direction as a program, and all all I thought about was that they actually play on a real court now when they used to play on a theater stage oh my gosh yeah have you seen pictures of that place yeah dude it's crazy gosh yeah yeah so that was really surprising both the win at you i don't know what's more surprising them winning on the road against utrgv or them firing their coach the next day the one thing to take into account is the pressure is now off for all of these teams as far as making whack Vegas, like we said, one team is going to be left out. And with New Mexico State kind of picking up steam before this week, it was thought like, oh, they're going to come back and one of these teams is going to get knocked. And Arlington was probably on the chopping block for that. But now that New Mexico State is, is called it quits, all all 12 remaining whack teams will be going to whack Vegas. So at least there's that sense of security that they they have their spot in whack Vegas no matter what. But but yeah, so so knowing that they're 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 gonna make it for UT Arlington, they're gonna be in. They have a they have a pretty tough schedule the rest of the way. They just fired their coach. I don't know what to, to make of this program, but that just seemed really weird. So we'll see what happens yeah. to Arlington. But other than that, really like nothing to write home about this week. The the game, I guess, people were watching on Saturday, which which is a good game. Southern Utah, U, Utah Valley. That's kind of a little bit of a rivalry game, it sounds like. The first time they're in the conference. Actually, let me rephrase that. That sounds like a pretty significant rivalry that I think now that these teams are in the same conference will become something much greater, which I think is good for the WAC. Oh, because I don't think I think the WAC as a conference doesn't really have good rivalries, and I think we try to force New Mexico State and GCU, and I think it is a rivalry, but that's like all there is, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I like seeing these rivalries, right? I like seeing Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston, and, and that they like don't like each other. And it was very evident in Southern Utah, Utah Valley, that there is there is hatred there between those two schools, between the fans, between the players. A little bit of a a little bit of a kerfuffle broke out there during the game. A couple technicals given out. Um, the refs <laughs> kind of lost control of it. Uh, it was a really fun game. Utah Valley won by seven at home. Southern Utah's good. Those are the top two teams in the WAC right now. That's exciting basketball. And I think that's a really, really fun rivalry that will will just continue to exist this for the next couple of years. Or I guess for as long as they're in the WAC together, just given geography so that was really cool i didn't realize how much of a rivalry that was but i guess it makes sense and uh it was a pretty awesome environment it's it's fun seeing intense games like that 
Cool. Yeah. Do you have anything else whack related? No, Cal Baptist had their homecoming game on Saturday. Uh, Against... They were supposed to play New Mexico State. It got canceled, but it was homecoming. So instead, they scheduled whoever would play them, and it was West Coast Baptist, and they won by 86. <laughs> so That's good for them. Million. <laughs> um, yeah, they won by a billion. So congratulations, Cal Baptist, on your senior night win. Congratulations, um, West Coast Baptist, on your exposure. Yeah, tough scene for them. But <laughs> but no, that's that's it. Pretty status quo week. Nothing super surprising. Teams did what they were supposed to do. All right. Excellent. Well, keep an eye out for the Wednesday episode that'll be coming out. We will dive into New Mexico State a little bit more on that one. But until then, lopes up. Big by McMillan for three. Dishes out the blaster for three. Go! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the Dude, did you see the meme where it was like, I've been cheering for this guy his entire career since 1994. And it's like Andy Reid, but instead of Andy Reid's face, it's Paw Grape from Veggie Tales. <laughs> no, but that's hilarious. <laughs>